I'm Ashlyn Keenan and you're listening to Every Moment the Podcast, now in its 11th season and supported by Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland made with simply two ingredients and nothing else. When I had my daughter, I wanted something I could trust to use on her skin and Water Wipes were and still are the one. I once made the mistake of trying a different brand and decided never again. I didn't realise just how much of a difference there could be between two fairly similar brands, but it was huge. My daughter is now two and I panic if I don't have at least one pack of water wipes within line of sight. With that in mind, I'm happy to say this season is supported by that most essential of products for every mum, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2022, including Best Baby Wipes, they are ideal for delicate newborn skin. Together, we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. Hi there and welcome back to Every Mum the Podcast. I'm Ashlyn Keenan, your host, and Claire McKenna joins me today to talk all things childhood nutrition and wellness in general. Claire is a radio presenter and she is, she really is the OG wellness guru, having spent years trialing and testing the latest wellness trends and diets and fitness fads, only to discover a few years back that balance really was key. As a parent, she wanted to be sure to foster a healthy relationship with body and with food in her two children. And that has been an ongoing process for her over the years. She now presents Alive and Kicking on News Talk and she has interviewed all of the experts on the topic, but comes to our chat with a real honest and refreshing approach. And she admits that although she might like her children to enjoy their beetroot brownie, they roll their eyes and opt for the real chocolate deal instead. So if you're a parent who wonders about your child's odd food habits or their attitude to different body shapes, you'll definitely come away with some aha moments from this episode. Claire McKenna, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum the Podcast. It's such a joy to see your face. And it's it's so, like, I have such good memories of you um, from, like, working with you in spin years and years and years ago um and here we are again recording things in the same well we're not in the same room but we're on the same zoom room <laughs> I know and yeah I always get a really warm feeling when I think of you and all the chats oh. we had about relationships and all the little advice you used to give oh the spin gosh. listeners and it's much nicer that we can see each other face to face because it was only voice to voice but yes voice to voice saying, or I see you pop up on my Instagram I always have a big smile so thanks very same. much same Oh, same, Claire. And um, yeah, thanks for thanks for giving us your time. You are a very busy, you're you're all over the map, really. You're very busy. But one of the main things that you do, and this is why kind of I wanted to have you on, you present Alive and Kicking on News Talk. And it's all you kind of live the health and wellness lifestyle. And you I know from listening to you, from hearing you interview people, you fully immerse yourself personally and professionally into the kind of health and wellness world so how did that kind of start for you like where did that all come from well a lot of my friends kind of call me the OG of health and wellness because I always had an interest in it like as much as the next person going to the gym going to the odd retreat 
but keeping an eye on what was new. So I'd be buying the, you know, the green powders to put into my smoothie or I'd be drinking the nettle tea and I never went anywhere without two liters of water beside me. So I was leaning into (laughs) all of these things heavily. So when I got the job, um, I was really chuffed because I kind of thought to myself, I rang News Talk just to ask for cover um, on any of the current affairs and lifestyle shows, because that's sort of where I was working in with Ireland AM and whatever else. And they said, look, we might be looking for somebody in, in, in health and wellness. And it was my old boss. So he knew me and he knew this was kind of my interest. And I remember saying to myself, why didn't you think of that? Why didn't you think of a health and wellness show and pitch it to people? But I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. But I got the job. And when I look back now, I'd actually got quite overwhelmed with the whole health and wellness message because there's just so much noise in it mm. now. So one week I was eating meat. The next week I wasn't eating meat. I was I always give the example. I was throwing things into my shopping basket because they said paleo across the front, whereas I really didn't understand what paleo meant. I was cutting things out of my diet because I read something online without really knowing. And I think I'd mm-hmm. kind of lost my way a little bit. And I'd yo-yoed between being really restrictive sometimes and then, you know, letting the wheels come off. And I, I didn't really know where I was at. So it came at a really good time because I kind of had to think, how do I want to be about health and wellness in my life? Mm-hmm. And in the opening show, I said, I never want this to be a place that they'll be preaching or what you should and shouldn't be doing. Everybody's individual. Everybody has different lives. And health and wellness for me is as much going out for pizza and margaritas with my friends as much as it is going to the gym and getting a green juice afterwards. So Mm. that was my starting point. And I've been doing it four years now. And I'm so lucky. I get three to four experts in health and well-being mind body soul in front of me every week and I am just like a little sponge and I just soak up everything that they say but at the bottom of it that's always where I'm coming from from a really holistic individual no preaching non-judgment space so people can feel as well as they can like feel like living your best life has all these kind of stressful connotations yeah. on it but to just feel at your best is kind of yeah. at the core of what I try to do like I always remember you like it's we I, I interned with you like I think I was 21 so that's 14 years ago and I even then remember thinking to myself Claire really you're really you really embody that whole wellness thing. Like you did always have two liters of water with you and you were always eating something that I thought, well, that's not, that doesn't look like lunch to me. <laughs> Where's the bread? You know, like it, you always had, you always did kind of espouse the the health and wellness beliefs. And I do remember always thinking, God, Claire, like you really know your stuff in that, you know, arena. Obviously the Everyone podcast we're, we're, we're talking about, children and childhood and parenting and all those sorts of things that I know you're you're a parent yourself when you became a parent did all of those beliefs and thoughts and you know kind of feelings that you had about health and wellness transfer over into how you felt about raising your children in terms of with good nutrition and with um good sound mental health and you know did all that kind of rise up in you as a mother and go oh I better focus on this on behalf of my children now Yeah, I mean, I remember I loved a podcast uh, recently, Maybe Baby, uh, with the girl, um, I can't think of her surname, but Kate, and she won 
uh, Big Brother a good few years ago. Oh yeah, I remember her, yeah. Her, Kate Lawler, just come to me. Yes, and yes. her and her husband did the podcast together because she couldn't decide whether she wanted to have kids or not. He did. So they did this podcast series where they spoke to various people about the realities of having kids. And it was the comedian who came on, Russell Kane, who you'd think was a bit of a madcap character, but he had the most sound advice for them. And he said, you know, before you have a, a baby, you really need to sit down as a couple and say, what kind of parents do we want to be? How do we feel about food? How do we feel about feeding? Are we breastfeeding? Are we not? How are we doing the night feeds? How are we doing discipline? And like, this blew my mind. We were just like, um, all of our friends are having babies. Yeah, no, I think I fancy a baby. Yeah, let's just have a baby. <laughs> and next thing, we're just in the middle of it going, what, you, you've got a totally different outlook on this. And we just like completely blagged it as we went but I did have certain I suppose values like you say around nutrition and eating well so I suppose I did have pressure on myself that I wish I I had eased off on a little bit Mm -hmm. um I did really want to kind of feed myself I didn't introduce a bottle for a long time I was kind of panicked about it and like I say that with absolutely zero judgment however a baby is fed they are fed I actually nearly high five people if they say oh look breastfeeding wasn't for me or it didn't work out because I know it means they're going to share the feeding with somebody else and somebody else can do the night feeds because it's like another pregnancy that Uh you don't really know because you're tied to that baby and look yes it's a wonderful experience and it's great and it's all of those things but these were things I didn't actually know until Uh I got into it but I remember having pressure on myself and putting pressure on myself in that area Uh Um, and I didn't realize that kind of innate, um, hold that comes over to you to feed your baby. So when solids came, like, I just wanted that bowl to be emptied into them of vegetables. Like it's just in you that you just want to feed this child. You want them to have this full belly. Um, and I would have loved to have tried baby led feeding, um or weaning and just let them pick themselves because I think that's a really wonderful and empowering gift to give kids to understand their own hunger cues to pick their own foods um but I I I couldn't handle the mess and I just had that innate (laughs) you will eat everything in this bowl and if I could go back and do it again I would relax a whole lot more but isn't that the same with everything in life everything oh my god and when you're saying that you sat down or that you you thought you should or you the, the guy, what was it, Russell Kane was saying, you should sit down and decide what you want to do. Like my husband and I kind of did it to a certain extent and we definitely talked about discipline, but we didn't talk about food. And that's interesting that you should say that because I felt when I was pregnant that there was no, I I couldn't control whether breastfeeding would work out for me or or if it wouldn't. I want, I knew I wanted to give it a go, but I wasn't sure, you know, if it would pan out. Um, it turned out that it didn't. And I felt immense guilt for a really long time. But you're so right that there's just maybe that's why loads of Irish mammies become feeders, because there's just this want. I I even have it now. Lydia's two and a bit. And like, I still look at her bowl and I'm like, that's not empty. She's not she's not fed, even though in my head, I'm like, trust her. If she's hungry, she'll she'll come and look for food like she's not shy about asking for it. You know, so it's it is something that's definitely in um, mothers, if not all parents, to just have a full belly in their child and if if there's a plate of half-eaten food there you just don't feel like you've achieved that and there is a bit of panic about it 
when your kids were little when they were babies and toddlers were they fussy eaters and how did you kind of you know adapt to that and did you did you live and let live or were you kind of strict about it or what did you do no I had firm control freak grip over everything so I got the (laughs) um Annabelle Carmel book and I used to make all of these different pots of bits and bobs and they were all in the freezer as was the frozen milk as was everything so everything was going but like meanwhile I was exhausted. I was stressed. I was beginning to resent my husband. So I think like I'm just giving that as a balance Yeah. that, yeah. you know, one thing comes with something else. So that was kind of what was what was going on. Um, yeah. And I was doing all that. And look, it was working well um, and I was enjoying it. Like I do enjoy cooking and I do enjoy eating well myself. So I, I suppose it was a natural sort of um, follow on from that, that I would kind of do that. So. I had no issues. I was very lucky, um, especially, you know, with our son, with our with our firstborn, like everything kind of was fine. He fed well, he slept well, he ate well, but I I still had this kind of pressure on myself. So for his first birthday, I mean, I pretty much made brown bread in the shape of a one. Like it wasn't a cake. It was brown. <laughs> it was brown bread. And I remember like going, um, my friend who's his godmother said, look, why don't we meet at, you know, one of these, um, garages where they have a little kind of soft play area yeah she was oh, like, yeah, it's yeah, fine yeah. hers were sort of toddlers mine was one she was like let's just meet there they can run around we'll get a coffee it'll be fine and I was like handing out this brown bread and her kids were looking at me like I was crazy <laughs> and I carried this on then when we had our little girl Lois and for her birthday I made like a beetroot brownie but like I still think of one of my mom friends Amy saying it's a bit earthy like and none of the kids edit like it was absolutely vile and again looking back now I'm like what were you doing like buy a bloody Colin the Caterpillar make a cake like let the Mm -hmm. kids mix it with you um Mm -hmm. and just relax like why do you have I see at that stage in my head I still had in my mind that there are good foods and there are bad foods and you can be good in inverted commas, 80% of the time. And then you can be bad 20% of the time. And I just really held back from all of that. And, you know, if I went to the minders and we had the most beautiful child minder, she's still a friend of mine to this day. She had a room in her house done up. She had the kids in, she adored the kids. The kids all had a lovely bond together, but she just used to throw like waffles into the oven and bring them out and sit all the kids down. And like, I didn't even really fully appreciate. She was teaching them socializing and sitting down and talking. And if they had a bit, so what? But I used to come in and be like, oh my God, inside, you know, I never obviously said anything to her or anything course, like yeah. that. But it's it's crazy the hold that sort of, well, now I know it's diet culture that this sort of had yeah, on me because yeah. that's how I had lived. So that was coming over into my kids. So on the outside, it looks Oh, perfect. Obviously, I'm giving them lots of fresh fruit and veg and I'm really thinking about what I'm feeding them and everything's going well. But I should have just relaxed a whole lot more because Mm. I was still saying treats and treat food and I was putting all these foods up on a pedestal. So my kids became the kids that at a birthday party, everyone would be out in the bouncy castle and my two were still over at the table shoveling as much jelly and sugar into themselves because they didn't know when they might see it again and maybe they were subconscious for them obviously you know 
I'm not a complete jailer. There was a few biscuits and whatnot in the house. <laughs> but you don't realize the rules and the messages that you're you're putting out there. So yeah. if I could go back again, I think I would allow them to eat what we were eating and just put a few bits on the high chair and and trust a hell of a lot more. And I think I would maybe have a different language around treat foods and mm-hmm. this idea that there are good foods and bad foods. And I'd love to teach them that from an early age. Yeah, like I completely see, like I, I'm looking back as you're talking, I'm looking back at my childhood and there was a, a very distinct difference between treats and good food, you know? And there was, I have grown up and I use food now for, you know, if I have a great day, we'll celebrate and we get a takeaway. And if I have a bad day, oh, I'm not cooking. Let's just get a takeaway. So it's, you know, I still have a leftover, um, I don't know, a, a damaged relationship with food, I think, even now. And so you're when you say you bought the Annabelle Carmel book, right? So I, in my head, I'm like, okay, I still have a damaged relationship with food. So I'm going to try and just give Lydia, you know, a really good relationship with food and not not differentiate between treats and what's good and what's bad and not refer to food in those ways. So I've got the Annabelle Carmel book and it's in my press along with loads of those Ella sachets, which is what I mainly fed her with for the whole like first couple of years of her life. Because I just, like you said, something had to give and I did not have the will or the time or the skill, frankly, to make those meals and freeze them and put them in little pots and put them in a thing. I just had to grab and go. That was how I survived. And I felt so bad about that because, you know, I'd see other people's fridges and they'd have, you know, sliced avocado for their child for lunch. And you see these things on Instagram where they have like lunch boxes that have like grapes in the shape of hearts and little cheese things in the shape of a bear. And I'm like, sorry, my child, like she eats Rice Krispies off the floor, you know, like that's where we're at. I, I struggle still. Um, I, now I just let her eat what we're eating and I don't make a, make a fuss about whether it's, if it's chocolate, she's eating it's food. And if it's a piece of broccoli, she's eating it's food. But I kind of am at the point now, like you said, with your minder, where other people are involved in her care. Therefore, other people are involved in her nutrition and my parents might think it's fine to give her three ice pops in the space of an hour. How have you come to accept and handle and be okay with other people, you know, influencing what your child eats or what your children eat? Well, I mean, I didn't realize, again, the amount of things that come at you when you become a parent. I sort of thought like I knew it was going to you know, involve a lot of care. I knew I was going to have to love them, but I didn't realize that they were going to be a mirror to my own personality and my own behaviors and that I was going to have to really address a lot of those. And some of them are going to have to be changed and me and my husband, um, because they're mirroring everything. And I suppose it started with me changing my relationship with food rules. And that was sort of something that I started to go on, as I mentioned, taking on, um, the health and wellness show and realizing that I was sort of really overwhelmed and, 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 and stuck a little bit and my energy levels were low and I was starting something every Monday and then, you know, I was just all over yeah. the shop. So I mm-hmm. really pared it back. 
I did a sort of a, it was supposed to be over six months, but COVID hit and I did it over a year where I spoke about it on the show and I worked with various kind of experts in the field. And I did a big holistic view of looking at my relationship with food, with my body, with exercise and all of that. And I really started looking at things that I'd never considered before, like inviting in joy and rest and recovery and not necessarily seeing food as fuel, but making the connection between what I was eating and how I was feeling. And when I started to relax those rules and be kinder to myself, everything felt better. That became true health and wellness. I thought it had to be punishing, restrictive. But when I embraced the opposite of that, I still looked the same, but I felt very different. So that was very freeing for me. So that became something that I wanted to impart upon my kids. So it started with me and then I kind of wanted it to go to them. So my main driver now for my kids is not necessarily that, I mean, not that I don't want them to eat well, or I don't think nutrition is important. I've studied nutrition myself um, and got a qualification there and I've studied as a health coach. Like I'm all about good food. But I don't want that to be the motivating factor. I want a healthy relationship with food and a healthy relationship with body. And that is my number one. So that doesn't come without its challenges at times. Um, We recently sold our house. We're both from the same area here in Dublin and we want to buy here. So we sold our first home and we've moved back in with my mom. And my mom has a completely different outlook on food. Um, and she will just have like a freezer full of magnums and, you know, whatever else is going. And it's kind of a free for all. Whereas I didn't really live that way. I would kind of say, look, it's a free for all. We'll head off at the weekend. We'll get an ice cream, you know, have as many toppings as you want, whatever it is. Um, so I do still battle with it a little bit. She might bring home a sugary cereal. That's not something, you know, that I have in my house, um, And I've had to relax on that a little bit because God love her, I'm always at her. If it's not recycling, I'm at her and food waste, I'm at her about like food. (laughs) So, And I'm sure she's just like, well, she's from a different generation where she wasn't as as conscious. I'm kind of jealous of her. I think we have a lot of, in a way it comes with awareness. We have a lot of pressure on ourselves now, don't we? Like our parents Mm -hmm. would have easily done alphabetic spaghetti and toast and not batted an eyelid. Whereas like, as you say, you're like, what am I feeding my child? And, you know, you're feeding your child really well. Like it's, it, you know, you're loving her, you're there, you're present, you're trying to work, you know, and do everything. Mm-hmm. Like when I had, um, I had Flynn um, and I was working in spin at the time and somebody had mentioned to me that a maternity leave cover was coming up on Ireland mm-hmm. AM and would I go for it? And I knew I was a couple of weeks pregnant, but you never really know. I just had a miscarriage. So you never really know where it's going to go. So I went for it and I got got it. So it was going to be an eight month cover on Ireland AM and I was pregnant. So I used to get up at like four in the morning. I used to go to Ireland AM. I used to go from Ireland AM to spin. I used to present spin. Then I would drive from there, pick up Flynn from the childminders, who was like one and a half, bring him home, feed him one of these tubs, go out in the trampoline or whatever with them. And then get into bed and like invariably my husband would come home then and it would be bedtime. He'd be helping with that. And it's story time for Flynn. It was story time for me as well. I was like gone. And I did that for eight and a half months. And I literally reached the point of burnout. And I 
there's a photograph because at the time that I was going on maternity leave, my co-host mm-hmm. who you know well, Jonathan McRae, had decided mm-hmm. he was going to go the health and, or the science route. Yes. He was setting up his own company. He was going to be working on um, News Talk Science Show and really just continuing on that road. So we all went for lunch together. And I couldn't even enjoy that. I look at this photograph of the team, the four of us, our two producers, Claire and Vinny, and myself and Johnny. And I am just exhausted. And I finished up on Ireland AM. And that's not to say I didn't adore my time there and see it as a big step in my career. And I loved spin and I loved my life and everything was good. But it came at huge, huge sacrifice. And, Mm. you know, I often say to myself now, who are you doing that for? Like, what were you doing that for? Why were you putting yourself under so much pressure? Because I think I thought I was going to do all these things and I was going to reap all these rewards. But realistically, I should have been listening to my own body more and listening to myself more and giving myself a bit more of a break because Mm -hmm. it actually doesn't, it doesn't pay off. Nobody's there to give you a medal at the end of it. Like everybody who's there is working hard. Everybody Mm -hmm. there has something going on so that was a big eye-opener for me I wish I had not put myself under so much pressure and I wish I had had a few more pouches going um and pulled my husband in a little bit earlier sometimes and said you know what you know I'm just gonna head off I need a rest I'm not around I just want to do everything and be everything um and I would do it differently if I did it again yeah there's there's no point I say this to friends of mine and stuff now who are having babies and I just I say there is no point like martyring yourself in order to feed your children, you know, or in order to whatever aspect of parenting it is, because to me, and I I have come to this realization, not like only recently, and it's two and a bit years into my parenting life, but there's a happy mother is a happy baby. And if you're relaxed and chill and, you know, you're well rested and you're well fed your child is going to like you said be a mirror to that so I do think you're right when you say we need to give ourselves a break because there's so much like oh god Instagram comparison and TikTok comparison and you see these things particularly around I don't know why maybe I'm just getting um my algorithm is directing me food things lately but you know all these fantastic lunch boxes like I was saying these gourmet dinners that people are feeding their children and I'm like 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 the logistics of that just blow my mind like do these people have personal shoppers who go and do their grocery shop for them and portion everything out and how do people afford it and you know it's just insane there's so much guilt I find around um you know what you feed your children and how you feed them and how you speak to them about their bodies and all that kind of thing when it comes to your own children and like just in general from speaking to experts, is there anything that you would say to anyone listening, any parent listening about speaking to your children about food in relation to their body? As in, you know, like I remember hearing a parent in a restaurant one time being like, no, no, bread is going to make your tummy big and you don't want a big tummy. And I just in my head, I was like, well, that that child has taken that bit of information and they'll bring that into adulthood. So is there any way that you've kind of circumvented that? Like, how have you gotten around that with your own children or um, even with yourself, I suppose? Well, I think because I would have had sort of 
body image struggles over my life because I was never a naturally athletic build. So I have gone down that road myself. I was always quite conscious that I didn't want that for my kids from an early age. So I really noticed when I had kids, the amount of sort of a fat phobia that's that's out there. Like there is, even in the cartoons and everything, mm-hmm. the heavier kid is always the kind of dopey kid or the one that people are slagging off. It just starts to really come, come through. And I would never have really been conscious of that before. So my kids have kind of picked this up and they picked up the word fat as being a bad thing. And they certainly didn't get it from me because my husband wouldn't really be conscious of that either. So we would never be talking about putting on weight or dieting. Mine would be consciously, my husband, it wouldn't even enter his head. So they didn't get Mm -hmm. that language in our home. But from either, you know, books they were reading, cartoons they were watching, like they would laugh at fatness and kind of slag each other. So from an early age, I would sort of say, I'm sorry, we, we, we don't talk about other people's bodies in that way. People come in different shapes and sizes. And I would just put it that way. And that was always really important to me to get that out there. Um, and my mom, like she would have always been on a diet or, you know, talking about weight or there'd be, you know, slim fast was huge at one point. Mm-hmm. There'd be slim fast shakes there. Um, she did some sort of Cambridge soup diet or something at one point so and like she would never have really enforced anything on me you know my mom's a big feeder there was a very healthy relationship with food in this house it was all about celebration and everything and bringing people together and we always had our meals together so that was something else that I kind of took on but I, I didn't want this body image so I issue so I always would have had that in my mind um I kind of then began to learn more about diet culture through my work in health and wellness and and meeting kind of intuitive eating counsellors and experts in this area who are trying to dispel all of these myths. And Mm -hmm. that was a bit later into my parenting. My kids were probably at that age more, you know, six and seven. Um, So I would have made what I now consider in my mind to be something I would do differently um I would have kind of said eat everything on your plate and then you'll get a dessert um you know things like that and really put food on a pedestal so I would have changed that language if I could um I don't know how much I mean there's um a brilliant woman um Sinead Crow from Intuitive Eating Ireland herself and her sister Gillian run that and I've had her on the show. And so she would talk about um, not giving any priority to those sort of foods, that those foods are available at all times. So she might be putting her dinner out in the middle of the table. So there's chicken breast, there's potatoes, there's veg, and there's a bowl of chocolate. And she, what's brilliant about her is she's got four kids and she raised two when she was steeped in diet culture. And she read two, she raised two when she was completely out of it. And the two, when she was completely out of it, have the healthier relationship with food. And they will turn their nose up and say, no, do you know what? I don't fancy that. And they really are in tune with what their body needs at any one time. And will often choose the in inverted commas healthier food. So I get that. I'm still not there. I find that mm-hmm. a little bit difficult for me to yeah, put like yeah. chocolate in the middle of the table for dinner still seems crazy to me. And I do still like, I don't want anyone to think like I have this sussed now because I do still struggle that it's everywhere. 
you know, this is ingrained everywhere. So the school will say, you know, it's sports day or it's movie day or, you know, because we're finishing up on Friday, the kids can have a treat or it'll be last day of brownies and they'll come out with a little bag of bits and their sweets in there. And not that I don't want the kids to have access to sweets, but it it, it is put on this pedestal. So because mm-hmm. I know I said I gave my kids like brown bread and like earthy <laughs> beetroot brownies. The minute they tasted a proper brownie, they were like, good luck. You know, they, <laughs> yeah, 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 like yeah. their taste sensations kicked in. So my kids know like how a bag of Haribo makes them feel. And mm-hmm. when they're watching a movie, they want to go and get something like that. So like I get that and that that's going to be there in life. Um, So I do still kind of struggle with it internally, but I don't mm-hmm. pass that on to them. And I just mm-hmm. keep coming back to that one mantra healthy relationship with food and body because the more I try and restrict things or say things to them the more likely they'll have an unhealthy relationship with either of those things and that's not what I want for them Mm -hmm. and that takes precedence over what's on their plate how much they're eating how much they're exercising I just want to make sure that their relationship with those two things are healthy. This podcast is just one way that every mum supports you. Another amazing way is our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland. To receive yours, register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. You know what you were saying about, you know, the chocolate on the table with the rest of the food. At the moment, Lydia she's two and a bit she she looks at chocolate and she looks at fruit and she thinks well they're the same they're just something I eat and I have definitely been conscious of trying not to differentiate those things for her but I'm panicked about the outside world and like you said the last day of school or the movie day or the coming home from crash or going to a birthday party and you know like that on a pedestal the food is given on a special occasion as something that you you can't have this all the time but when it's a special day you can have it so that's obviously given the given children that impression you know that these things are special in some way and you should cherish these moments and they're related to food like I am so not relaxed about all that like I really really am and do you think is there some way that you know I don't know schools or you know, anywhere that cares for children outside of the, the parenting setup. Is there a way that should should something be done? You know, the way Jamie Oliver in the UK is doing his bits and he's he's chatting to schools and he's going in and helping them with lunches. Do we need that in Ireland? Yeah, I mean, we do have it to a certain extent, not quite the the battle that he took on because he was taking on the school dinners and the yes, canteens. Yeah, yeah where it was just, you know, chips and, and fast food being shuffled onto the kids' plates. And he was like, look, where's the veg? Where's, why are we giving them? Like, I'll never unsee when he showed what's in a turkey Twizzler and how it's not breast meat. It's all the leftover stuff all ground up into that pulp. Um, So, like, I try not to kind of go down that road if I just pick up goujons for the kids, you know, yeah, because yeah, as yeah. you say, there's going to be days where that's just going to be the way it is. But I do think... That's how we have to look at food. It's, it, it, you know, yes, we have a certain control within our homes and the way we speak about food and body um, and, 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 and our health. 
But then there's the rest of the outside world. And I do think I have a bit of a bugbear with kids menus. I don't know why they all have to be absolute crap. I understand maybe mm-hmm. there's cost implications, but I don't understand why kids can't get a chicken breast mash and veg, why it has to just be burger and chips, chicken and chips, you know, pizza and yes. chips. But then you might say, look, when I go out for dinner, like I order like chips and, you know, things that I might not yeah. necessarily make at home. So yeah, if they want to have a pizza when they go out, but at least that there was that other other choice there. There just doesn't seem to be the choice. And I've noticed a big change as well in, say, in the the shops, like there are all these share bags of jellies and they are at the eye level for the kids. Mm. And my kids didn't even know that you could get a bag of Maltesers or, you know, Skittles in that that small size, because Mm. that's around the other side. Like you literally have to in our in in our shop and, and I've watched it. It's in most shops. You really have to seek them out. Mm-hmm. It's a big, huge bag. So if they're going down and they're like one euro, two euro. So if they're given a bit of money to go to the shop, which is a very normal thing, we used to be getting like a 10p bag and you'd yeah, be yeah. delighted with that in your bag of crisps and you'd be thrilled. Now, look, I also used to get a quarter of apple drops, but like they might kind of last me the weekend or maybe sometimes yeah. they wouldn't. Yeah. But it wasn't this constant stream. And if you were going for an ice cream, you were getting an ice cream and it was a scoop or something or two in a tub and that was it. Or it was the 99 with the flake and that was it. And a bit of sauce, like sauce, I suppose, was there as well. But now it's like, do you want an ice cream? Do you want to cover it in crushed Oreos? Do you want to throw yes. in like a load of jellies on the top? And like that just freaks me out. But I just have to really keep that inner. And I just mm-hmm. say to the kids, oh, look, you can have two scoops and one. Like you just I'm constantly trying to come back to healthy relationship with food and body, not have too much restriction, but also teach them like, you know, the intuitive eating world will sort of use the language um, growing foods or fun foods as opposed to good foods and bad foods. So okay. foods that are going to make you feel well um, and foods that are just for fun. And fun is so important when it comes to food and food is emotional like there are times mm-hmm. like that famous Bridget Jones when you break up with somebody and you turn to the ice cream like that's okay yeah. that is normal I think we think emotional eating is this really bad thing but you know when it's raining outside and all you want is a big bowl of mashed potato and gravy and like that's who we are we're not just robots that need to be fueled to make everything work there's emotions there's experiences mm-hmm. there's energy levels there's all these different occasions where food is very much part of it so I do think there is a a wider conversation that needs to be had even around like my son now is 12 so he's all into you know what's cool and this prime drink and you know I I think you know these sort of energy drinks like I I I do think that there should be a limit on handing them to a 12 year old kid in a massive bottle like I Mm. I don't think he's got energy to burn I'm trying to like wind him down as much (laughs) as I possibly can he does not need to be wound up anymore so yeah yeah it's all of these things you know it's how society views health how society views bodies um the way supermarkets and companies are set up, who has the power, who holds the power. So yes, we're swimming in all of that water. But I think if you just come back to that overarching, I'm doing my best. Um, and I come back to those meal times that we that we have together, that, you know, there is plenty of veg and variety and whatever thrown in the middle of the table and on their plate, but there isn't a lot of pressure on them but now look if my kids were sitting in on this podcast they'd be like oh mom no pressure 
like when I qualified as a as a health coach, I did this online um, course and there was the last kind of coaching session and that was the last thing. And then I was going to be qualified because all the exams and and everything had been done. And I came into the kitchen and I was like, that's it. I've, I've qualified. I'm done. And my husband was like, oh, my God, that's great. And my son was like, what? What? What do you mean? So does that mean like we can't eat junk anymore? And I was like, no, like things are just going to continue the same as they are now. Like I'm just qualified now. So I might be able to work with people or it's going to help me in my job a little bit more. And he went, oh, for God's sake. And he just went straight to his sister, opened the room where she was watching TV. And he was like, this, mom's only getting going. You know, all this green bean stuff. Mom's only getting going. <laughs> she was like, what? <laughs> so they they think they do a big eye roll and a yawn that I am this like health coach and how annoying. But that's a natural part of childhood, too. Like I thought my parents were dopes myself. And like, yeah, and what yeah, did yeah. they know yeah. until I got to a certain age? And I was like so many of their values had seeped into me and became who I was. And I said, you know what? I see where they were coming from now. And you know what? They had a point. So that's kind of what I'm I'm hoping is happening here too. Yeah. I like I thought I also thought my parents were dopes. I was laughing in my head when, when you were saying that because I nothing my parents ever said when I was particularly a teenager. I remember always been like they don't know where I am in my life <laughs> as a, you know, 12, 13, 14 year old. And I'm sure, in fact, ladies and you too, and I am already getting that level of sass from her. So I'm sure that's only going to continue. Um, have either of your children, I'm interested about kind of post COVID in particular. Um, I know it's okay. Look, it's not behind us. There are still so many leftovers. There's still so many ramifications that are continuing from COVID, but there's a lot of children that had lived through that that have health anxiety now have either of your children had any sort of health anxieties or have you spoken to anyone about health anxiety in children and how to kind of manage those those worries um my son would have because I said like he's absolute energy to burn and he never mm. stops he never sits still even watching a movie he's like you know tumbling around the couch and stuff that's just who he is so when the schools closed and the training stopped and we were all just home like yes we went for our walk in our 2k and all that madness we all went through he wasn't as tired going to bed so he started to get anxious at bedtime and he had never had that. He went straight off to bed, you know, from from an early age and, you know, mm-hmm. bar the obvious night waking that you, you go through. Um, yeah, yeah. He was a great sleeper. And then all of a sudden he was getting really panicked and he had a couple of nights where he was the only one awake in the house and that really panicked him. So. We had to work really hard on that one because he just had this association of fear at bedtime. And sometimes it would still kind of creep back in for him. Um, And he would say, you know, can I come into you if I, you know, because sometimes I'm patient when he comes in and sometimes I'm just like, look, you know, we've spoken about this and, you know, I'm tired and I have to get up tomorrow and whatever else, you know. So he'd say with trepidation, is it okay (laughs) if I come in? And I'd say, yeah, Yeah. of course it is. Of course it is. Um. And I something I've kind of taught both of them, which I learned on my own health and wellness journey and through the show is the power of breath work. And I want to really give my kids autonomy over their own reactions. Now, within within reason, I'm not saying, you know, people who are really struggling with anxiety, you know, just take a two, 
few deep breaths, everyone is going to have to manage whatever symptoms they have in their own way. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have called in the psychologist in the school for both my kids at various times. So again, I'm always hugely holistic in there's not just any one thing. Um, and I would have looked at trying to be a bit more present with him, spend a bit more time at bedtime, make sure he's getting as much exercise as he can to try and move him, the breath work, speaking to somebody. So again, it's kind of on all these levels. So yeah, he would still get that now. Um, And my daughter was a little bit younger. And so when she went into COVID, she would have been going into first class. And then when we came out of COVID, she was going into third class. And I remember her teacher saying that he felt, and look, everyone felt it in various ways, but he felt that that age group had it one of the hardest because that's Mm. a massive jump to go from senior infants to third class where there's like way less crack, there's way less dressing up and messing down the back. You literally just have to sit down and do your work. And that they had missed that kind of socializing together and being together because we weren't getting together as much. Like I wish I had, and look, maybe this wasn't possible, but like, I had got into a bit of a commune with a few different families and we had like a pizza oven and a fire pit and we all just like got on with it together. I think that would have been a much better way of doing it because we were all just a little bit isolated. And there were some amazing parts of it because like for me, that was a big, like what the teacher kind of has alluded to. That was a huge growth change in my kids. And I was there for all of that without work. Mm -hmm. And so was my husband. And of course we got that amazing weather. So we were constantly out and about and together but she kind of struggled with them when it came to school with the with the sitting down like she thought her teacher was quite mean whereas really all he was saying was you know you have to sit down and yeah you know yeah. these kind of friendship things um she kind of struggled with that so they they did kind of find um their issues but I, I suppose I was I, I was a little bit more unscathed than, than some have been but yeah, they definitely felt it. They did. There was definitely mm-hmm. things that cropped up from for them because of it. Mm-hmm. I think health anxiety in children is something that I I know I worry about in the context of. I mean, I got very health anxious, I suppose, during COVID, and you know the way now you're kind of when you're in a queue in a shop and someone coughs behind you, you still have that that panic of oh god, and then you realise no, it's it's probably okay. It's probably just a regular cough. It's probably you know. But it's still there. I know it's still there in me. So I can only imagine how it must be for for children that were kind of aware of what was going on. What would obviously you were saying earlier on the show um, on Alive and Kicking, you um, have interviewed so many wellness experts and health experts and food experts and all that kind of thing. What key takeaways for parents specifically would you be a fan of like what piece of advice would you always find yourself repeating to friends and relatives and you know about their children um don't tend to do a huge amount um on kids in particular I mean I've done bits and pieces but um like I try not to do too much on women's health. I try not to do too much on, on uh, yeah. parenting because I want it to be as inclusive as I as I possibly can. But I think it's just that general feeling that we should have across our own lives that good enough is enough. We don't have to 
put pressure on ourselves to be the best everything and that certainly plays in to parenting um Mm -hmm. and I think to just eke out small moments in the day not only for yourself but for them um is enough so for me the meal times were always really big that we always sat down um for breakfast we always sat down for dinner together um and my husband would be home for it and like you know tv's off phones are away um and that's really important now you know that sounds all great like there was times where my kids were going to the through the phase where the word bum and poo was hilarious and all they do is laugh (laughs) for the whole time about those two words and I'd be like that's enough of that you know and all that so it's not as if we were the complete Brady Bunch all of the time but they were really important moments for me and so was bedtime um you know being present for bedtime um reading them like a little story together spending that little bit of one-on-one time with them because I wasn't great at rolling around on the floor and and playing with them all the time um but like you can't do everything I can't work cook dinner clean up have you know clean clothes for them to put on the next day be replying to the parents whatsapp group know what's going on in school drop them collect them and you know dress up as every character in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang every night and play that out like I just can't do that <laughs> and I was really bad even if I did get down on the mat with them like I just start tidying up things around them like putting the Lego yeah. back in the Lego thing and putting you know I go a bit Stacey Solomon on them <laughs> um, but I if I had those moments I found that that really helped me and that's going to look differently to everybody because some people are going to be working shift some people are going to be single parents like we all just have to do our best mm-hmm. and that's been one of the key takeaways for me as well through the show and through my course that we are all individual and everybody is different what works for one is going to be very different for another so we just need to mm-hmm. spend that time figuring out what works for us and for me something that's worked as a parent was taking time for myself. So when I became a parent, the gym became a very different place for me. I used to go to the gym to change my body from a kind of a negative thing because I didn't like the way it was. I wanted mm-hmm. to improve it in inverted commas. Then when my head was full of, and then I'll just do those bottles. And then when I've done those bottles, I'll take that out to defrost for the morning and I'll leave that stuff on the stairs and then I'll carry it up the stairs. Like that constant mm-hmm. chain of events that's happening in your head And then I'd go to the gym and all I could think of was counting the reps that I was doing in the class or getting to that two minutes, whatever it was on the spin bike. That was a real, you know, aha moment for me that I I was like, wow, this shuts off that brain. This works for me. I enjoy it. I feel better. And I come back more energized and better because of it. For somebody, it might be yoga. For somebody, it might be going out for a walk. Sometimes it's going to meet friends and having a few belly laughs. Like there'd be times where I'd be out with my friends and I think of Jonathan and the kids and I'm, I just get this swell of love that sometimes I don't have when I'm in the house with them. Now I do obviously get it in the house as well, but sometimes yeah, you need to yeah, step yeah. away from things yeah. to really, really appreciate it rather than being in going, and who put that there? And why didn't you do this? And why didn't, you know, all that normal life stuff that happens. Um, and I started to get up in the mornings before the kids and take 10 minutes for myself and light a little candle, bring a little hot drink, could be my first coffee, could be my tea, could be the lemon water. It doesn't have to be this big spiritual awakening, but this was just my time and it was quiet. And sometimes I would just scroll through 
Instagram. And sometimes I would just answer the WhatsApp messages that came through overnight. But sometimes I'd stick on a nice kind of chilled song and I'd just sit and listen to that. And I did it as part of a, an online course, actually, with the still. They do one called Wake Up Well. And you do 15 minutes of breath work, 15 minutes of meditation and 15 minutes of kind of slow movement. And I would have always said, I'm not a morning person. I'm not a morning person. It's just not for me. Whereas when I did that course for a week, I noticed I was less stressed on the school run. My day flowed better because we do crave that time for ourselves. We really do. And if we just get up and start giving, 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 giving to our families, giving to our work, you know, and get straight into go you'll feel it in your system. Whereas if you just give back to yourself and again, it's going to be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to get up. If that's not speaking to you, you don't have to get up, but just even taking your cup of tea out into the garden and just sitting there for a few minutes makes all of the difference. So mm-hmm. it comes back to that finding out what fills you up, what lights you up and making sure that you are doing that as often as you can and start really small even if it's just five minutes three times a week you'll start to feel it and you'll start to build on it and it'll become a non-negotiable yeah you're totally right about you know that that taking time for yourself before you start giving in a day because like this morning for instance the first thing that I heard when I I don't think I'd even opened my eyes. I had just opened my ears. And the first thing I heard was, wake up, mommy. So, you know, straight away, as soon as I pulled the covers off, Lydia was there and she was showing me something and she was asking me for a bit of my lip balm. And she was, you know, and the day starts and you do start giving straight away. So I think finding time for yourself is a stunning piece of parenting advice. Um, And I like... I'm going to have to let you go at this point, Claire, because a couple of minutes ago you said parents WhatsApp group. And I think I'm getting hives because the concept of a parents WhatsApp group just makes me absolutely want to crawl up inside myself and die. So thank you so much for joining me on everyone on the podcast. It's been so lovely to speak to you. And there are so many amazing pieces of advice that you've given there for um, parents who are listening, particularly around nutrition and wellness and health, but also just around surviving as a parent and not putting too much pressure on yourself. So thank you. Yeah. And that in life. And look, can I just say on the WhatsApp groups, like, (laughs) yes, they can be a bit of a burden. Uh, You have to get back to things. And it's another thing to think about. You can have like, as we all know, about 16 on the go looking for you Mm. any one time. But the parenting ones, I couldn't survive without them. I'd forget dress up day, wear green day. (laughs) Don't forget. There are parents that are more on top of these things than you. So I hail the WhatsApp group because I couldn't actually parent without them. (laughs) A blessing and a curse, we'll say. Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much. I really enjoyed the chat. And I just hope, yeah, people will just go easy on themselves. Because like everything, we always look back and go, why didn't I relax more? Why didn't I enjoy that more? So yeah, go easy on yourself. You're doing the best you can and that's all you can do. Thank you so much, Claire. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland for their support. Their wipes are made with simply two ingredients, 99.9% water and a drop of fruit extract. And they are also plant-based and plastic-free. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. You can share this episode across social if you like and you can get in touch with the guest on social media and their handles will be in the show notes. Oh,